The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Good morning again. Let me welcome everyone to Coastal Community Church. Just uh, if you didn't catch it, I'm Ryan. I'm our youth pastor here at Coastal, and I have the pleasure of kicking off uh, our holiday series that we are entitling uh, Grateful. And so uh, as we move throughout the series over the next couple weeks, uh, we're going to talk about all the different things that we have to be grateful for. Uh, we're going to hit on our family, uh, our community, our church, uh, even our salvations. So we're going to talk about all these different things uh, that we have to be grateful for. Um, but I think in order to truly comprehend how to be grateful and why we should be grateful for these things, uh, we have to first look at what it actually means to be grateful. Right? What does being grateful actually mean? What does it look like practically? Uh, what does the Bible say about being grateful? Um, what is even the purpose in being grateful at all? You know, what does it actually do for us? And so in order to, to do this, I think we actually have to first start with the opposite. Right? And I think it's actually pretty easy for us. I mean, just in general, we live in a world uh, that is just full of negativity and complaining. Right? I mean, you all know what I'm talking about. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with teenagers for the past year or two, and um, firsthand experience on complaining. I'm sure all you parents know about that, but I mean, we all do it, right? Not just teenagers. Um, and then there's those people that also take it to the next level, right? They're so good at complaining that it's almost a full-time job for them. You know, that you could almost say they have the spiritual gift of complaining, right? They're that good at it. And, you know, living in Charleston, there's a couple things that almost every single person complains about all the time, right? Two things, traffic and weather, right? I mean, starting with the weather. I'll give you Charleston weather. Uh, it, it's pretty crazy sometimes. You know, we're in the season right now where you wake up and you have to put a jacket and a long sleeve shirt on, and you get in your car and, and you turn the heat on because it's freezing outside, and then you walk out of work and it's 75 and sunny, right? And you just don't know what's going on. Uh, but, you know, you have those people who, you know, maybe in the summer it's, it's 90 or 100 degrees and they're just complaining, you know, it's so hot, it's so hot, I can't even go outside without sweating, you know, I just can't wait for you to get colder. I can't wait for winter. And then as soon as winter hits or fall hits, and they get a 60-degree weather day, and they're putting on their big puffy coat and lighting a fire and saying, I can't handle this. We need to go back to summer, right? I mean, there's all these people that complain and complain. Even if, I bet if they were, like, out in California, you know, where it's 74 and perfect every single day, they would still complain. They would just say, I can't handle it. It's too perfect all the time, right? Which, by the way, we actually, our staff went out to L.A. Uh, this past summer for a conference, and it really is 74 and sunny, Every single day, it's amazing. Uh, but I guarantee some of those people would be there complaining about it each and every day. Um, and then we get to the traffic, right? The traffic in Charleston, the driving. Um, I think the current statistic right now is something like 45 people moving to Charleston every single day. I mean, that, that's crazy, right? And so obviously traffic is crazy, and there's, there's all the honking and, and road ranging and, and yelling and, and just everything, right? So, but help me out here real quick. How many of you would say that you are a good driver? Good driver. Show hands. Show hands. So pretty much everybody's a good driver, right? I mean, I think maybe some interesting discussions at lunch between couples there. Uh, but there you go. I mean, the problem is when the majority of people think they are good drivers, then they get the right to complain about all the bad drivers, right? I mean, obviously, looking at all the hands, our church is in the 99th percentile of amazing drivers, right? So it's obviously a problem with everybody else. But... It's still, you know, it's, they're going too slow, they're going too fast, they're an idiot, they're a moron. Whatever it is, people are always complaining about the driving. I mean, but even further, just past that, we just complain about everything. We're just so good at complaining. And, uh, I mean, I'm right up there with the best of them. 
my wife Gracie always complains all the time when we watch football, you know, that I become the most negative person in the world. You know, uh, I'm a Clemson fan, and for the most part, we're a pretty good team, um, especially last night. Yeah, had to get that in somewhere, had to get that in somewhere. But in some of our other games, we do have some nail biters, not last night, that was awesome. But uh, during these nail biters, we'll be watching uh, these games, and there's these college kids, and mind you, they're college kids, and they could be the best player, they're having such an amazing game, and then they make one bad play, and I just go off, I'm like, you're a loser, pull them out of the game, pull a scholarship, send them home. Like, I don't want to see this kid ever again, and he's like a first-round draft pick coming up. And I just get so negative, and then we end up winning, and it's all okay. But that's just what we do, right? We're negative, and we complain. I mean, you can even think about this morning. You know, what did you do when you woke up? You woke up, and it might have been kind of chilly at your house. I know it wasn't mine. Uh, So you wake up, and it's chilly, and you complain that your house isn't set to the right temperature, right? Your house that is literally controlled temperature-wise by the push of a button, you complain that it's not set right, right? So then you walk downstairs, uh, you go to the kitchen, you open up the refrigerator full of food, and you complain that you have nothing to eat, right? We all do it. Uh, You you close the refrigerator, you open up a cabinet full of all kinds of different stuff, and you complain that you don't have any coffee, right? But then you think it's okay because there'll be some at church, right? And then you go back to the closet to get ready. You go into your room, and you open up your closet, you look through all your clothes, and you complain that you have nothing to wear, right? Everyone's done that one before, and then you get in your car, and you leave for church, and the whole way there, you're complaining about how bad your gas mileage is, how bad the traffic is, that your check engine light just came on again, right? We complain the whole way, and then you get to church, and oh no, the coffee that you wanted is not there, right? The holiday blend, the pumpkin spice, whatever it is, it's not there, and this just, it's not okay, right? I mean, it's amazing how blessed we can be, and yet be so ungrateful at the same time. You know, how blessed we are, but yet ungrateful at the same time. And honestly, you know, I don't think gratefulness is something that comes naturally to a lot of people. I know it doesn't come supernaturally for me, personally. Uh, I really believe it's one of those traits or, or characteristics that we have to strive for all the time. You know, we have to actively and consciously uh, try to be grateful, you know? Uh, so what happens is I think the answer to how to be grateful, that's actually your first blank there on your outline, the answer of how to be grateful is we have to pursue a heart of gratefulness. Right, we have to actively, consciously choose to pursue a heart of gratefulness. You know, we have to strive to, in each and every situation, be intentionally grateful. Right, we have to make that choice. And the sad thing is, I think actually a lot of people, uh, they won't ever experience this true heart of gratefulness. You know, a lot of us won't ever get to experience what God has designed for our lives in terms of of being grateful, of, in terms of gratitude. But what's cool, actually, about having a heart of gratefulness, about being grateful, is that it actually opens up the door for all these other traits and characteristics in your life uh, that you're striving for, right? All these other aspects and values. I mean, think about it. When you're grateful, uh, it makes you more generous, right? When you're grateful, it makes you a more positive person, right? When you're grateful, uh, you become more encouraging. You become more appreciative and more thankful, right? Your marriage gets better, uh, your relationships with kids and friends and coworkers all get better because you're grateful, right? So we have to actively pursue a heart of gratefulness. We have to make the choice to be grateful. And so to really figure out how to do this, to, to go into a little deeper, uh, we're going to start off by looking at a story in Luke 17, right? It's Luke 17 starting with verse 11 to be exact, so you can follow along with this as I read. Uh, it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem... 
Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. All right, so stop right there real quick. Uh, so you have these ten men, and they have leprosy. And so we know that leprosy is one of the most uh, nasty, disgusting inflictions that someone could have on their body, right? It's just a nasty, horrible disease that really infects everything. And uh, we can actually look in Leviticus 13 in the Old Testament, uh, and it describes the situation of a leper, kind of like what they were required to do uh, by law at the time. I mean, it was such a nasty disease that they actually had to take off all their clothes so that it was known that they had leprosy, right? They had to stay clear of all the main areas in the city or any crowded place where there was a bunch of people. They weren't allowed in those at all. Uh, And then if anyone did come, like if anyone came around them or or up close to him, they had to actually yell out that they were unclean, right? They had to physically yell the words unclean so that people would know that they had leprosy. I mean, it's just a horrible situation. It could even get so bad that they would have just sores everywhere all over their body and and like their skin and toes and fingers could start to fall off because it would just decay. I mean, it was a nasty, nasty disease. And so you can imagine uh, in this passage we're reading how serious and heartfelt this plea was that these men were making to Jesus. I mean, they cry out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I mean, it's basically a latch-ditch effort to save their own lives because they know what's coming. So if we continue on, verse 14, it says, When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, which is is important too because Jesus was a Jew and Samaritans and Jews didn't really hang out at the time. Uh, And then Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? So wow, I mean, you think about it. There were ten men whose lives were literally changed forever. They were dead and now they're healthy because Christ performed a miracle in them. I mean, they they were literally left to die out in their own little area, Jesus comes walking by, Jesus does his Jesus thing, performs a miracle, and now they're completely healed. I mean, that's just amazing. And so naturally, you think the next step would be to thank him, right? Pretty simple. He does something amazing for you, you thank him. But that's not what happens. Only one man actually comes back, the Samaritan, right? Only one of those 10 men has the heart of gratefulness, and so that's what we're going to look at uh, for the rest of our time here today. How do we become that one? Right? How do we become the person who exhibits that heart of gratefulness? How do we become grateful and then not just become grateful on the inside, but actually live it out uh, in our daily lives? And so I think to do this, there are a couple different uh, truths or facts that we really have to adopt, uh, put into our lives, realize, and take to heart you know, in order to truly become grateful. Right, so truth number one is that everything good that I have comes from God. So the first truth that we have to recognize is that every good thing that I have comes from God. Right? If we look at James uh, 1, 16 through 18, it says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the world of truth and that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. 
Right? So everything good that I have comes from God. Everything that we are, every good part of us, every success we have, every positive thing that happens in our life comes from God. Right? I mean, and because of that, our life is then good. Because everything we have from God is good, our life is then good. And you know, no matter what, uh, we are the first fruits. In the, in the verse that God calls us the first fruits, it means it's a reference to literally the first fruit or the first part of the harvest uh, in the biblical times, right? The first part of the harvest is the best, it's the most plentiful, it's, it's the biggest. And that's what we are in God's creations. We are His first fruits. We are the best because he created us. You know, and we have to realize that everything we are, what we are, is because of God. And when we realize this, what happens is that everything else just doesn't seem to be that bad. Right? When we realize every good thing we have is from God, all the other stuff just doesn't seem to be that bad. And, you know, when I was, when I was going through this, the first thing that popped into uh, my mind was actually uh, my grandfather. Right, my granddad has always been uh, the guy, who, ever since I've known him, basically, uh, that he's just always going, right? always going and going. I mean, even at like 80 years old, he was always working on something. Uh, he has some uh, land out on John's Island, so he was always out there working on tractors or old cars or, or cutting grass. Uh, he loved to hunt. So uh, I remember one day I actually walked out there, and he was like standing on a branch, hanging on one hand, and had a chainsaw on the other, trying to cut a branch down around his tree stand. I mean, like 80 years old. I mean, he was just always going. He's riding the four-wheeler, putting corn out for the deer. I mean, just always going and going. And then one day, a little while ago, he actually got in a car accident. Um, and this just speaks to him even more. He actually drove away from the accident because, you know, he had to get to tractor supply because they had something that he needed. And then uh, he actually went home, and when he got home, his sister was standing there, and she said, what's wrong with you? And it turned out his face was drooping really bad. And so they took him into the hospital, and it turned out he had had pretty bad stroke, because when he got in a car accident, he got rear-ended. Uh, he actually severed the carotid artery in his neck, right? So he had a really bad stroke. He was struggling with that for a while, and he, he got a little better. Uh, but then after some complications, he actually had another stroke. And this one did a little more damage. Um, he actually can't really speak now. And uh, he still goes, and it's amazing because uh, he still gets around, I mean, pretty well. Like, you can tell he gets frustrated sometimes when he can't tell you exactly what he wants. Like, if you go out to eat and he, he wants this, and you're like, you want to order this? And he's like, no, I want this. Uh, you can see he gets a little frustrated there, but he's still positive. He's still always smiling. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was out there actually working on the pergola here at the church. Um, he's just always going and going. And he still seems to have uh, this positive mentality in every part of his life. And, you know, I imagine if he could speak well and I were to ask him, you know, how do you still have this this positive mentality? How are you still happy all the time, even though you can't speak, you have all this stuff going on? You know, I imagine he would still just say, it's, it's because I'm, I'm still kicking. You know, I'm still going. I still get to wake up every single day and do what I want to do. You know, that's the attitude that we should all have, right? We have to realize that every day we wake up is a gift from God. Every day that we choose to do what we want, uh, every day that we get to work and earn money, every day that we get to come home to our family and our friends. You know, it's all a gift from God. Right? Now, some people might say, you know, no, I earned this. Right? I deserve this because I worked hard for it. No one gave me anything. That's what a lot of people say nowadays. And that's the attitude that this world has actually put on us. Right? It's that no one's going to help you do what you want, get what you want. It's all on you. And this is what the Bible calls an entitled heart. The exact opposite of a grateful heart. Right? So we're supposed to have a grateful heart, 
not an entitled heart because every good thing that we have comes from God. I mean, if you think about it in the Bible too, every good thing that anyone was ever given in the Bible came from God as well. You know, Jonah, he was given a giant whale to come swallow him after he disobeyed God to save him from drowning, right? Noah was given the tools, uh, the materials, and a plan uh, to build an ark and save all of humanity. How Daniel was thrown into a den of lions, but given a supernatural protection so that he not only did he not get eaten, but he was protected through the whole thing, right? Moses, a dude who stuttered his entire life, was given a voice that set millions of slaves free, right? And we're not left out in all of this, right? We are actually given the greatest gift of all. We are given the Son of God who died for us so that we cannot be eternally separated by God, right? I mean, we've given this greatest, given the greatest gift, right? When we realize that, when we realize the best thing that we could ever have is actually a free gift from God, you know, our whole attitude begins to change, right? We start to have this heart of gratefulness, this heart of gratitude, right? Because every good thing that we have comes from God. And so we've got that as our first truth. Uh, everything good we have is a gift from God. The second thing, the second truth that we have to recognize or adopt is that I won't let what I want take away from what I have, right? I won't let what I want take away from what I have. I mean, let's be honest. We are a wanting group of people, right? We're always wanting something. We always want more and more, whatever. It could be a nicer car, a bigger house, a bigger TV, uh, or just more stuff, We always want more stuff. It seems as though we are almost designed to want more and more stuff until it almost consumes us, right? But that's not true at all, and the Bible actually speaks against that on many different occasions. Uh, We can look at Ecclesiastes 6, 7 through 9. It says, everyone's toil is for their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. What advantage have the wise over fools? What do the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves before others? And then here you go, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. I mean, it clearly says it right there. What you have is better than what you want. Right? What you have is better than what you want. We've all heard the saying, uh, the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. You know, what you have is better. The life you have is better. You know, the friends that you have are better than the friends you don't have. Uh, The life that God has blessed you with is better than the one you think you want. You know, even the problems and the issues that you have are better than the ones you could have, right? We just have to fix this mentality of there's always something better out there. That's what's driving us away from God, is the mentality mentality of there's always something better, And, you know, when you begin to change this, when you begin to realize that what God's given you is what's best for you, that's when the true power of gratitude comes into play. Because listen to this, gratitude turns what we have into enough. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. You know, being grateful all of a sudden breaks the cycle of bigger and better. I mean, it allows us to not let what we want rob us of what we already have. I mean, think about it. it this, what our culture has done to us today, I mean, how many of you have a smartphone, right? Everybody has a smartphone, right? I mean, I got mine right here. 
Everybody has a smartphone. I've got the uh, Galaxy S8, awesome phone, right? Yeah, there we go. Got some Samsung fans. I mean, but gone are the days of a phone just calling or even texting, right? I mean, now we have emails, we have games, we have apps. This phone can literally do anything that you want it to do, right? It's just incredible that all that's in this one little phone. Uh, But wait, iPhone is releasing a new iPhone X, right? Everybody wants the iPhone X out there. It's an awesome looking phone. I mean, what's so great about this phone is that they have this little thing in your text message now to where instead of just calling the person or texting the person like normal, you can now hear their voice come through an animated cat on your screen, right? Animated emojis, the new big thing, and all of a sudden we all want this phone, right? Because of what it, you can hear a cat saying uh, your husband or, or wife's voice through a screen. I mean, it's just crazy. We always want what's bigger and better. I mean, it can be with your TV, you know? You gotta have the, that extra six inches of TV for the big game, you know? So when football season starts, you gotta go, gotta go get the next big TV, you know? Or, or maybe it's your car, Right? I mean, you, you take your dogs with you and you put them in the back seat, so you've got to have the, the rear climate-controlled seats because the air in the front doesn't always reach the dog in the back, and so you've got to go get a new car, right? Or what about your job? Right? Oh, man, if you could just get that one promotion, all of a sudden everything would be set right in this world, right? I mean, everything would be perfect if you could just get that job you want or that promotion you want. And that's what we all do every single day, right? We're always wanting more and more. We always want what we think is better. And the key word there being we think. Because according to God, what we have is better. Right? We just have to be grateful. Because gratitude turns what we have into enough. I mean, it's amazing how this can work. You know, I mean, I challenge you. I mean, a lot of you probably won't be able to do this. But one of these ways that you can really see it is if you go to a different country. Right? I mean, I've been to Peru twice now on mission trip. It was an awesome experience. And when you're over there, what happens is you begin to realize a couple things. Right? You realize that these people over there in these uh, third world countries, you know, they don't have any of the things that I've been talking about. Right? I mean, they don't have the house, uh, the phone, the car, uh, whatever it is. They don't have any of that. They don't even have the fridge full of food that we have at home. But what you begin to realize is that uh, they do have some things. Right? They have time. They have time to be with their friends and their family. They have a hope and a peace that seems to just be missing in our culture today. I mean, you think about it. It's just crazy. I don't even know how to describe it. Because uh, like, we stayed at an orphanage in Peru. And there's about 50 to 20 kids there. And then there was another 10 adults who uh, worked at the orphanage doing all different kinds of stuff. And, I mean, you think about it. These kids were literally left on the streets of Lima, Peru. Right? They had nothing. No family, no friends, no money. Nothing. Yet when you go there, they're some of the happiest kids in the world. They're some of the most hopeful kids in the world because they've been taught what Christ can do for them. It's just crazy. You know, the adults that are there, I mean, they work harder than we ever work, and they probably make uh, in a day, or we probably make in a day what they make in a week or two. It's just crazy. But yet they, are, they have a peace and a happiness because they know that what they have been afforded by God is what's best. Right, the opportunities that they've been given, they're happy with and they're grateful for. Right, I mean, it's just crazy because with them too, I mean, they don't have anything according to our standards. But because they're grateful, what they have is enough. And it's just really cool how that works. Um, and you can look at this verse uh, in Philippians as well. The Apostle Paul writes, um, I mean, most of us has heard Philippians 4, 13. 
the whole, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. Right? So that's the end of this passage, but we don't always know the context that happens before it. Uh, so the Apostle Paul writes, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I mean, that's pretty good stuff right there, right? I mean, he gives us the secret to being content right there in that verse. It's just relying on Christ. And I know some of you might be at the point right now uh, where you feel like you have nothing left, right? I mean, you're saying, how can I be content with what I have when I have nothing, right? I feel like a lot of people are there right now. But Paul clearly tells us that we have God, and that's all we'll ever need, right? Because what he's given us is enough. And uh, that's actually a next, next step on your Connect card there, the Connect card that Pastor Chris had you pull out earlier. Uh, you can actually mark that you would like to read and memorize that verse, Philippians 4, 11 through 13, because it's great stuff that teaches us how to be content and how to be grateful uh, for what we have. And so uh, to recap, we've recognized that every good thing comes from God, and we've recognized that I won't let what I want take away from what I have. And so the third fact, uh, the third truth that we have to adopt, you know, the third mindset that we have to put into place in our own lives is that my goal will be to turn every blessing into praise. My goal will be to turn every blessing into praise. And so what happens is when we fail to do this, you know, when we fail to turn all of these blessings into praise, into God's glory, it turns into pride, right? When we fail to turn a blessing into praise, it then turns into pride. We become prideful. We have that entitled heart that we talk about. You know, it goes back to the, well, I did this, so I deserve that. Uh, I actually deserve more. You know, I deserve better because I've done this. That's that mindset that happens when you fail to turn a blessing into praise. Uh, Psalm 64, 4 through 5 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And so how do we become this person full of praise? Right, this thankful, uh, grateful person that God wants us to be, right, that he's called us to be. How do we become that person? And so I'll set it up like this. I mean, how many of you have ever experienced a situation of sheer panic, right? Everyone's had a situation of just utter and complete panic. And uh, I haven't experienced this before, but I'm sure as a parent, um, I think one of those moments might be losing a child, right? Not like death losing a child, but actually physically losing a child. Like he's not, he was there and now he's not there. Losing a child. And so, I mean, so set it up. Say you're walking through a store, Right, you're going through Walmart, uh, just doing your shopping, and you look down, and all of a sudden, uh, little Johnny or Susie's not there anymore, right? And you just freak out. I mean, because that's the world we live in nowadays, right? We go to the worst possible situation. Right? Or say uh, you have a nice day on the beach, and you tell your child to only go out to maybe knee-deep in the water, and you watch them out there, they're pushing the limits, you know, they're going a little bit past their knee, and they just keep going in and in. And then you look down for a second, you look back up, and they're gone, I can just imagine that would be a moment of absolute panic on the part of a parent, right? Or how about you're on vacation? Maybe you're walking through Disney World, right? The thousands and thousands of people in the crowd, you're walking through, 
Uh, you walk up to a counter to buy a drink. And in the couple of seconds it takes you to pull out your wallet and hand them some money, all of a sudden your child is just gone. Right? Complete panic, I believe, is what would ensue in that situation. Right? You would start running around, screaming, flailing, trying to find the kid, grabbing other kids, thinking they're yours. I mean, you would just do whatever it took to find these kids. I mean, it would be a parent's worst fear. It could be, would be the worst possible situation, and then all of a sudden a good day had turned into the worst day. Right? So that's where you're at, a situation of sheer panic. And then all of a sudden you find them, right? Because you know, that's how it always works. You're, just, you're, you're screaming, running around, all of a sudden they're just standing right there like they were the whole time. I mean, you know, little Johnny had walked to the next aisle to go grab some candy that he wanted in Walmart, right? Or maybe you're at the beach and they'd come out of the water to get a drink and walk by you, you just didn't see them. And so they were standing behind you the whole time. Or maybe you're, when you're at Disney World, you know, Mickey Mouse had walked by and of course, kids gotta go run and see Mickey Mouse, right? I mean, they're right there. And so all of a sudden this worst possible situation Right? The worst day ever in the history of your life turns into the greatest day ever. Right? You start to realize, you know, I have, I have my child, I have my health, I'm able to go buy my groceries at Walmart, or I'm able to have a nice day at the beach. Or, you know, you stop and think, man, I'm on vacation with my child, and he's here, and we're just going to have the best time ever. And you just start thanking God for everything that you have. You know, all of a sudden, everything is perfect in the world. And the only thing that changed is your attitude. Right? The only thing that changed is your perspective. Right? These two things change. It's all about your attitude and your perspective. I mean, we come to church on a Sunday. Right? We come to ch- church and we continue the, the whole complaining thing. Right? You know, we walk in and the music's too loud, or there's too many people, or all the free muffins are gone, you know, or the coffee's not hot enough, they don't have the one I want, whatever it is. We all do it. You know? But it's when you have the right perspective you know, you realize that there are actually people over in other countries who get murdered because they're trying to pray to God or worship God. And then all of a sudden your perspective changes, right? And you become thankful for the loud music, right? You become thankful for, for the coffee and the muffins, you know, and you realize that, yeah, there's a lot of people here, but that's because here at Coastal we're leech, reaching people for Christ, you know? And you become thankful for each and every person here. And the only thing that changes your perspective and the same way, you know, all of a sudden, our house becomes good enough. Our phone becomes good enough. Our TV becomes good enough. Our relationships become good enough, right? Because our perspective changed, and all of a sudden, we are grateful. We adopt this mindset of turning all these blessings into praise, and all of a sudden, everything changes. All right? this actually happened to uh, David in Psalm 103. He writes, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I mean, David makes it known right there in that psalm that he's going to praise God. He's going to turn his blessings into praise. I mean, the passage says that God satisfies our desires with good things. We just have to realize that they're good things. Right? He gives us everything that we need to be happy. Right? Because listen to this too, it's a little blank right here. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Right? Remember, gratefulness unlocks all these other values that God has in store for us, that he has planned for our lives. Happiness being one of them. 
right? We don't have to wait until we're happy and feel like we've got life together and everything is going well for us to in turn be grateful. We will be happy because we are grateful, right? We have to switch it around. Instead of always operating like we do to where we're waiting to be happy and then we're gonna be grateful because something happens, we just have to try being grateful first and see what good things come out of it, right? Because it's not happy people who are grateful, but grateful people who are happy. And so recap, and we're going to recognize that everything good comes from God. Uh, we're not going to let what we want take away from what we have. And we're going to make it our goal to turn all these blessings back into praise. Right? That's how we can be thankful. That's how we can have a heart of gratefulness. You know, and like I said, so many people, they won't be able to experience this heart of gratitude. Right? They won't have this in their lives because they don't realize what they have, right? They don't realize what God has done for them, uh, what he's done for all of us, right? I mean, you know, we walk around saying, I deserve this, uh, or I deserve that. I've earned this, so I should get this or that. You know, actually, you know what it does say we deserve in the Bible? It says we deserve death because of our sins. We don't deserve any of that stuff that we work for all the time. The Bible says that we deserve death. Because of our sins, we fall short of God's glory, and we've created this eternal separation from him. Right? But here's the good news. Here's where the part about being grateful comes into play. We can be made right with God. Right? We can bridge that gap of separation between uh, Christ and ourselves because of his grace because he sent his son to earth to die that death that we deserved, and now our sins are forgiven. Right? That's what we have. That's the good news, and that's the reason that we have to be grateful. Right? God did something for us that we literally could not do for ourselves. Right? We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Uh, you know, but he did it anyway. And that's why we should be grateful. And my hope is that you know, some of you today, you're ready to accept that gift Right, the gift of his, he sent his son down to die for your sins. You know, I hope that you're ready to pursue a heart of gratefulness because when you do, everything else changes. Right, being grateful unlocks everything else in your life. And, and you know, it's not going to be perfect afterwards. It's not like all of a sudden you click a button, you're grateful, and everything works out well. There's still struggles. There's still things that go wrong. But what happens is that your attitude changes. And even when the things go wrong, you recognize that it's just one little thing and that everything else I have is great my life is good because God made me, he created me, and he has a plan for me, right? And so I hope that's, that's a step that some of you take today. Uh, I hope that you're ready to pursue a heart of gratefulness and strive to be the person that God wants you to be. And uh, you know, if that's you today, uh, if you are ready to take that next step, uh, just pray this prayer with me. Uh, Father God, I thank you uh, for the heart that you've given me. Uh, I thank you for everything good, every good thing that you've put in my life, you know, every situation, uh, every opportunity that you give me. You know, and right here and now, uh, I am ready to be that person that you've called me to be. You know, I am ready to take that next step uh, and pursue a true heart of gratefulness. You know, I'm ready to accept uh, the gift of grace and love and salvation that you were so willing to give us uh, that you sent your one and only son down to earth to die on the cross and bridge the gap that we created with our sins. God, I just thank you for loving me. And from today on, 
I will make it a point to pursue a heart of gratefulness. You know, I'll make it a point to not let what I want get in the way of what I have. I will recognize that everything good comes from you. I will make it my goal to turn every blessing into praise and do everything for your glory. God, thank you for all that you've done for me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.